Hi, friends, and welcome to Screen Vomit, the only movie podcast for normal people. I'm, of course, your host, Kayla, and here with me is my twin, Kali J. Ding dong. All right, Kali's trying out a new one every time. <laughs> we also have a guest with us today. Can you believe? <laughs> Our guest is a Chicago filmmaker, mm-hmm. a non-binary icon, Ooh. okay, um, has made such films <laughs> as Chicago, love it, and has a new movie called The Big Zip. That will be our freaking guest, Nick Alonzo. What's Hello. up? Thank you. Hello and welcome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, tell us about, tell us how you got into filmmaking. So, what's interesting is that I'm self-taught. Um, born and raised in Chicago. Um, I've always liked the idea of filmmaking. I like cameras, you know, acting. I did a lot of Lego stop motion stuff when I was younger. Oh, um, nice. Obsessive cameras. And then... It wasn't until maybe 2015 when I made Chicago. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was just revolving around my frustration of like, I come from like a middle class family. I don't really have the money to go to film school. Um, I could try it out. I could try to like, you know, be in debt for the rest of my Jeez, life. But yeah. sure. <laughs> um, why not just try to do it with whatever resources I have and just build from mm-hmm. it? At the time, um, I also became a parent. I have a six-year-old. His name is Eli. And um, yeah, when he was born and then like me trying to figure out what I want to do, I was just like, oh, you know, like I could just like do the filmmaking stuff and then, you know, bite the bullet of like working a bunch of odd jobs, you know, use that money to finance whatever I want to do. So I kind of had that mentality uh, and I just kind of built from it where like it's funny because Chicago... Even though it's like, you know, this low budget black and white thing about, you know, a day in the life of a Chicagoan and just like based off, you know, personal experiences. Mm-hmm. The success behind that was like I was able to get like a small distribution from like an Illinois based uh, company. Um, I got a couple write ups in Time Out Chicago. I had like maybe like three to five local screenings. Nice. So you were an instant celeb. Yeah, exactly. We're like, um, I was just like, it's weird because like when I look back at it, I was like, oh, you know, I did that thing where I, and I guess my expectation was like, oh, if I make this film, I can just submit it to like the biggest film festival and it'll get in. But like, I like that, you know, I had to go through the idea of rejection and uh-huh. being able to contact people about the film who like probably were like, oh, I don't like this because it looks crappy and like, uh, there's no famous people in it. They're like, who wants to watch a film that's like, quirky or like uh you know like you know stuff like that where um you know i just built from it and like i you know the next year i made another film um that one has a long title and that's uh the artist sitting quietly and doing nothing Mm -hmm. and then the big zip which is the latest thing i did that's just straight up just a stoner comedy film uh shot around the city of chicago very comedic and i i believe it's it's, it's a fun film Hell yeah. trying to find a way mm-hmm. to get this film out there without you know i think what's funny about like covid is that if you're a major studio you could just like throw your film on any streaming site sure, sure. but when you're mm-hmm. an independent filmmaker you kind of just have to figure out what's the best way to do it without just having it get lost in like a pile of movies that nobody knows existed but yeah that's pretty much what's i've been up to and just been doing like short stuff and um 
Yeah, I just kind of gave you like the whole like narrative, so hopefully, yeah, that ruled. <laughs> Covered a lot of bases. I appreciate it. So yeah, so you don't know at the moment if the big zip is going to be like in a place where other people can really watch it or like what's going on with that. Yeah, you know, I've been talking to like two separate parties about distribution, and right now it's just a matter of like waiting and when the time is right um what are your filmmaking dreams like are you do you want to stay in chicago and do chicago shit forever or do you have like bigger aspirations or or do you even fucking can you even think of the future at a time like this (laughs) it's interesting because like there's a lot of stuff happening in chicago but like sadly a lot of it's just overshadowed by like the you know the dick wolf type shows like that are being shot here where I would like to stay local at the same time just so that I can be like, hey, you know, there's also this other scene in Chicago that right. exists, you know? And show the more authentic side of Chicago. Oh, yeah, definitely. But um, mm-hmm. I just, like, I, I really hope that, you know, the more I make films and, like, build off of whatever I do next, um, it just kind of shines more light on that, like, independent scene sure. in Chicago sure, that yeah. exists and exists in not just film it exists in music and like in a way you know like with podcasts too yeah it's a great city to be a DIY artist in yeah there's a lot of support for people like us <laughs> so I think it's interesting that you picked this movie from our list today you picked the 2018 film relaxer what drew you to pick this movie uh, without spilling too many beans a few months ago i saw the trailer for it uh-huh. i've been a fan of joel patrykis the director and writer uh-huh. for some time he has a film called buzzard which was like a big like yeah. like independent film that like people were talking about but again it was like kind of a cult kind of following kind of thing uh-huh. he did another film called the alchemist cookbook which is right. insane and <laughs> Uh, when I heard about Relaxer and I'm looking into it, I'm like, wow, this is interesting because it's like he's been making all these low-budget, micro-budget films and Relaxer mm-hmm. is kind of like in that same vein but bigger in a sense of like how ambitious it is. Yeah. I was intrigued by it and I was just like, oh, okay, I got to check this out. Watched it and like when I contacted uh, you guys and when that was like on the list, I was like, oh, hell yeah, because nobody's talking about this film. Like nobody's. Yeah. But what's funny about this director is that apparently he was offered like a lot of different like projects, like Hollywood projects, including like a Marvel film. And instead of that, he wanted to make this where I was like, oh, cool. He wants to stay true to his art and would rather just put his focus on what he is dreaming of when it it came to the project. And for, for me, that just felt inspiring because I'm like, I think there needs to be more passion projects from independent filmmakers. Yeah, for sure. And I just, I say that it's funny that you picked this film because I think that there are similarities between his kind of view and inspirations and stuff and yours as a filmmaker from a filmmaker's perspective Mm -hmm. at least yeah yeah. he's from grand rapids michigan and he really wants to like showcase grand rapids and do a lot of things around michigan and you know you're doing that with chicago and i've read that you one of your big inspirations was evil dead right oh yeah yeah definitely and patrykis has said the same thing it's one of the two movies he first saw that was like I saw this and I need to make movies now. That's funny because I actually um, did not know that. So that's actually, that's that's a good find because, uh, yeah, Evil Dead, like, I feel like, and even someone who's, like, not really a filmmaker can watch it. And, like, I guess it's clear that, like, this person was just in love with the idea of making a horror movie and 
went out of their way and Sam Raimi was just like, you know, like I want to make a film that I wrote with the people that I love and like a lot of horror fans and medias are just like obsessed with, you know, this movie. So yeah, no, it definitely has its like cultural impact. Oh yeah. For sure. I just thought that was kind of a cool link. little <laughs> a little psychic link between the two of y'all. <laughs> All right, Relaxer, starring Joshua Burge, who's in The Revenant. He's in 20th Century Women. Uh, he also is a freaking rocker. What? He's in a band called Chance Jones from Grand Rapids. And guess what? I listened to them today and nice. they're good. <laughs> Chance Jones. They have an album on Spotify. David Dasmalchin, who is in Blade Runner 2049. He's in lots of uh, stuff. He's also in the Ant-Man movies. We, of course, have Andre Highland, uh, who me and Kali stan. Quickly becoming our boy, yeah. Yeah, quickly becoming our boy. We did his movie, Death of Dick Long, on the pod previously. Do recommend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard about that one. Uh, I, it, oh, his character is incredible. You, you got to see it even just for him. That's by one <laughs> of the Daniels, right? Yes, yeah. Cool flick. So Andre is in this movie. Uh, we also have Adina Howard, mm-hmm. who is an R&B star from the 90s. <laughs> she also is from Grand Rapids, and this is her feature film debut. So oh. that's cool. And Amari Cheatham, who was in Django Unchained, Roman J. Israel Esquire, and many other things. Hell yeah. And that's the cast. It's a small cast. It is. Kali, tell us the critic scores. Cricket scores. We got a, uh, a 70%... On Rotten Tomatoes, 82 on Metacricket, and then Better. our wild card, Google users, 64%. Blech. 64 kind of sucks. All right, so let's watch the trailer, right. and then we'll get into it. Relax. Breathe in. Relax. Now exhale. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right, fuck. Okay. Let this masterpiece wash over you. (laughs) Okay, that's incredible. You do not leave this couch until the challenge is completed. Challenge accepted. A meditation on the fine art of relaxation. You deserve this. What the fucking sanity. What is this script for? Two liter hands. Hand. <laughs> hands. Hand. Hands. Hand. Hands. Hand. Hands. Oh, you don't think I can drink all this shit? Open your mind to this unforgettable experience. Be in this moment. Wildly, happily, unique. It smells like fucking mouth farts up in here, dude. It's the damn Y2K sweet chunks. I'm just gonna relax for a little while longer. Let go of the stress. Excuse me. Relaxer. A film by Joel Petrikas. Featuring original music by Neon Indian. <coughs> just fucking show me the money, dude. Look. You fucking seen Jerry Maguire? You know what I'm talking about? Show me the money. Fucking Thomas Cruise style. You should see it though because it's got Jerry Cantrell from fucking Alice in Chains in it. He plays like a fucking Kinko's uh, employee. Okay, first of all, folks, you have to watch this trailer. The opening to this... The opening to this trailer. 
That was incredible. Uh, yeah. Incredible. That's an incredible trailer. That's wild. Secondly, it's a testament to how good Andre Highland is in this movie that oh, yeah. he's only actually in the movie for like two minutes and he is three quarters of the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is the most dynamic character we're introduced to. <laughs> Uh, in a movie that is so, so static. He comes that in weird. like a fucking wrecking ball. Yeah. This movie, I just died. I just watched it. Like. Yeah. One of the, it's either terrible or just like a brilliant masterpiece and it really blurs the line. <laughs> and I, I described it to, to my bar- partner, Lindsay, as like, you know, those movies where it's like nothing really happens, but it just, just vibes. It's that, but the vibe is gross. Yeah. It's just <laughs> gross. I, I think this is also a movie that benefits from sitting on you a little bit. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Like, the more I think about it and the more I was reading about it, and just spoiler alert, I accidentally did a lot of research on this okay, movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, the yeah, the more I think about it, it's just cooler and cooler. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I agree. I think simply it's, it's one of those films that like, doesn't hold any punches of, like, this is what it is this is what you're watching stay if you want but like you know who cares if like i'm sure like the director probably just feels like if someone like walked out he would be happy about that because it's that gross and like almost uncomfortable to watch i feel like the more i think about it the more i'm like oh i gotta rewatch this but like it's so bizarre and indescribable almost where it's like like i wouldn't even imagine like how the script for this even looked you know yeah it is like impossible to describe this in a way that really captures it yeah yeah (laughs) you can't it's the the trailer i i was blown away by the trailer because it does it so well even with so much footage and and maybe one of the best trailers i've ever seen oh yeah incredible (laughs) it's concise it's super effective and almost uh like i would say disarming Um, oh yeah and it really, it wears you, it just, by the end, you're just not grossed out by any of it. You're just like, you're worn, it wears you the fuck down. And it's just like... It starts you out being repulsed by the main character, and by the end, you're like empathetic to him, and you feel bad for him. And I think that that's cool. It changes your feeling by the end. For a character that literally never stands up until the last scene, uh, he has an incredible arc. Yeah, so... It's done so interestingly because the entire thing takes place in one room. Almost all of it is also just from one frame, just staring at this couch at eye level to this man. There are a few cuts for different angles, but it's all in this room. They never leave the room. uh, And almost all of it is that same cut. And yet they still make it really interesting. And I that's so unique. <laughs> totally. I was glued. I wanted to know what's going to happen next. Yeah. The film, like the elevator pitch is like, the movie doesn't leave the room. The premise starts with the deadly sin of sloth. Yes. He's lazy. He wants to sit down and play video games and watch TV all day, forever. Well, he doesn't want to, but that's where the idea starts. Um, yeah. Like every boy's dream. <laughs> I agree. And how can it go wrong? <laughs> Fair. I was weirdly envious of him. <laughs> you would be. That's every boy's dream. What's interesting is like, uh, and I like that you brought up the eye level stuff, uh, Kayla, yeah. because it could also be like kind of like an analogy for uh, how much patience can an audience member have for a movie nowadays. Where I like that, like talking about meditation and like talking about like the idea that like the film's called relaxer. It's like 
the from the get-go, you know, you are going to have to sit there with the character and just see it for what it is, where I think at least, like, Joel Petrakis was trying to, like, do something with slow cinema, which, again, is, like, a subgenre, which I like calling it that, but I'm also, like, I hate that we have to call it slow cinema. Like, I feel like you can combine that idea with comedy or, like, uh, like skit, gag-type stuff, and I like that people are doing stuff like this, and I'm hoping that, like, in the future, when people want to make more uh, comedies, they kind of focus on, like, let's try to make this joke stretch for a long time. I can see how someone can say, this isn't funny. I don't know what's funny about it, but if you obviously have some kind of, like, you know, taste for comedy, you can kind of see what's funny about it. Where, like, simply, when he's trying to open up the pipe to get water and just shit water comes out. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, classic type humor where it's, yeah, it's poop humor, but it's, like, that's stuff that, like, could happen or it's stuff that, like, seems relatable or, like, it's so ridiculous, but, like, it's the one thing that, like, I guess, like, people don't want to experience is, like, getting shit in their mouth, but, like, like that it goes that route. The more niche comedy you can get the more alt comedy you can find like this or like death of dick long which we mentioned um mm-hmm. which is quasi comedy and the the genre bending too like with this and with death of dick long where it's not a straight up comedy you know there are other things going on but there is a lot of comedy in it and it's used very creatively totally totally which is fun yeah makes yeah, it fun it- you hear like ho- like movies that use horror as a vehicle. Like this movie uses comedy as a vehicle. Honestly, yeah, it uses uh, Y two K as the vehicle. That too. What was um, your guys's experience with uh, Y two K? If you don't mind me asking, Kayla, um, go ahead. Well, I'm the oldest you were the here. Oldest, yeah. <laughs> my experience was Y two K. I remember my mom being really freaked out about it. I mean, it's we've all heard it before, but. It really was just like buzzing in the air that like people thought at 11.59.59, you know, once the clock struck 12, that all the lights were going to go out and the computers weren't going to work anymore and Mm -hmm. we were totally just going to be in a state of chaos. My family was poor, so we didn't, we weren't really like in a position to do anything about that feeling except like swarm around the TV and be nervous. Hell yeah. So, um, but like my school did a time capsule thing. Like we all had to put some stuff in a time capsule. Yeah, I don't know. That's mainly what I remember. What do you, what are y'all's experiences? I was, uh, I was seven. Do you remember anything? <laughs> yeah, I was at a friend's house and I watched the ball drop and I was not really aware of Y2K as a world ending conspiracy or technology ending ending event or anything Mm -hmm. i may have been aware of it but more so i was just excited that now everything was called like millennium or 2000 yeah Uh, (laughs) did you get the new will smith cd (laughs) yeah i had willennium i had the backstreet boys cd millennium uh Uh, you know you got wrestlemania 2000 you have everything called 2000 (laughs) pokemon 2000 I mean, it rocked. I was four, so I don't remember shit. All right, so let's <laughs> talk about this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. The basic structure of this movie is almost like a play where it's all one set. There's like long scenes. They just kind of change the lighting and we get occasional visits from different characters. I wish it was a play. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, let's write the play because that'd be sick. So we're in Grand Rapids, Michigan in 1999. And I think we should start with talking about the room because I think the room, like the set, is almost its own character. Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah. It is so insanely set it was shot in the garage of the production designer's parents house and Petrikas modeled the set on his own college dorm room from college um and it took four months to build there is like writing all over the walls it is just a classic like bachelor pad dirty (laughs) trashy apartment it's incredible yeah it's a hot couch guy's place yeah I mean, everyone has an experience of that exact setting in various ways, uh, whether it be, like, your college drug dealer or, like, some guy you knew. Yeah. And uh, you just end up places in, like, your late teens, early 20s. I feel like that's a constant theme for people is just, like, I ended up at this place. This It was the grossest place ever. Yeah. And the couch was, like, incredibly <laughs> hot. Yeah. And like the it was just like a DVD menu playing. Uh-huh. On tour you hit a lot of these places. Yeah. Oh god. Mm-hmm. And it's just so like awkward. There's no decoration. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking <laughs> markers like, on the wall. <laughs> m- which is insane. That felt very fucking 90s to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh cuz like late 90s had a big especially like white dudes were obsessed with this idea of like anarchy of like yeah. chaos and just like oh we're gonna fucking wreck this place tonight and it's like why do you want to wreck this place why do you want to wreck it break things yeah. no we have to sit here <laughs> <laughs> and so like i totally understand this chaos of like at one point when a landlord comes he i don't know if he's a landlord or like a bug sprayer or what fumigator fumigator thank you he discovers what is it bart simpson with oh yeah, yeah. yeah. drawn on the wall yeah i vividly remember like being in a off-campus frat house in college they had a, a door if you got to have sex in that house you wrote your name on the door and drew a little picture Ew. Yeah, a disgusting concept, but, like, none of them ever thought, like, oh, our deposit. Yeah. It was just like, oh, yeah, the sex door, dude. We gotta have it. (laughs) And, like, I can vividly imagine any of these dudes. They're all vaguely stoned, but there's Mm -hmm. no weed involved. No, we we never see a drug in the movie. Yeah. Not in the budget. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but you you can easily picture. Yeah, have either of y'all seen the movie Spun? No, I've heard of it though. Uh, Jason Schwartzman's in it. Yeah this this movie, uh, especially at the beginning, gave me Spun vibes because Spun's a movie about crystal meth, and uh, a large part of it takes place inside of a house just like this, where John Leguizamo lives, and um, Patrick Fugit plays a similar character to. Abby in this movie where he sits around and plays video games all day and John Leguizamo is uh, ostensibly the mean older brother character they have that kind of relationship in that movie as well and it also takes place in a gross like fucked up house (laughs) like this one (laughs) so I just saw some similarities there um, that were interesting and close to the same time I think Spun was 2002 I mean this obviously came out 2018 but uh as far as 
the setting, time setting. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Abby portrays like uh, like a stereotypical slacker, and I really feel like the slacker has died. Are there still slackers? I feel like everyone, it's, everything's too expensive and everyone's dying all the time. And it's just like, I have to work six jobs. People with rich parents. Are slackers only rich nowadays? People with rich parents or people who are still in high school. Yeah, pretty much. This movie makes sense that he would be a slacker because it's set in the 90s. Yeah, it's weird because I don't think like the slacker character really works anymore because like things are expensive. We're all slaves to capitalism now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the character of Abby. Um, and what's funny about the actor in, in the, I think he's in pretty much, I think all of Joel Petrakis films, except mm-hmm. that Alchemist. They went to college like, together. So they are old friends. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, the thing is, um, he kind of plays the same thing in a way, but in this one, which, um, Kayla, you mentioned about, like, how the movie has, like, comedic moments, but also, like, very, like, non-comedic moments, where, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna spoil it, but, like, the one thing that's mentioned about his father throughout, um, mm-hmm. I really like that, because it kind of adds this, like, sense of drama in it, and I think the actor, obviously, like, does a great job of, like, portraying that, because he looks so eager to see his father, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's almost, like, a little heartbreaking, especially how, like, how that ending goes, even though the ending is just, like, fucking insane, but it's, like, it's incredible, because, like, it's there, that whole subplot, but, like, it's very mysterious, and just also, like, a little disturbing, because yeah, yeah. you can kind of get a sense of what is the well, situation. We can it get to the empathy. father, because I have a whole thing about that. <laughs> of course you do. So, we're still introducing these people. So, yeah, we have two brothers. One's a bully. They're obsessed with videotaping challenges in order to prove... That the younger brother yeah. is strong enough to survive Y2K. That's the what? basic premise. <laughs> I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I did enjoy this movie, but I was furious when uh, when this happened. I was like, just don't fucking do it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I was just like, yes, I get it. Like, power dynamics and younger sibling inferiority complex. Like, whatever. It's like a machismo, like you're just trying to prove that you're, you know, strong enough and man enough or whatever yeah, to like it's do like these when, things. But like, I think about when I fucking did challenges. Like I would play yeah. dead arm in high school. Yeah. Uh, where and you just pu- you just punch each other in the arm until yeah, yeah one of you gives up, and like it would stop at that. And so like, I guess what what was so perturbing to me was that these. 30 year olds were doing challenges (laughs) and i was like this is they're baby brained yeah the first challenge that happens in the movie is the milk jug drinking challenge and that was actually a challenge that petrakis and his friends used to partake in in his younger days (laughs) so inspired by real events they would try and chug i forget what the stakes were like a glass every eight minutes or something, the real life version, until yeah. uh, whoever puked first was out and that would just be the last person who didn't puke would be the winner. <laughs> they and just he, not he, have... said, he said the last person who would puke, the puke would be insane. And it was insane in this movie too. Just like, he's like, it's a full gallon of puke coming out. <laughs> like, it's crazy. 
And their milk seems like rancid. They talk about the smell of it a few times. It's been sitting on the counter. He asks if you can have ice, so you're assuming it's hot. He's drinking it out of a baby bottle with a straw, which was hilarious. All while playing Tony Hawk. Hell yeah. (laughs) Which, like, just made me want to play it. What I thought was kind of funny, and maybe it just doesn't matter, but, like, when he would play the game and then clearly not be using the controller like at oh all. Oh my god. And the game is still going on. <laughs> I guess like my only issue with that is that like I wanted the that to be like more of like the thrilling aspect of like, okay, if he doesn't do this correctly, yeah. he will fuck Pac-Man's up the level. Hard. It is like kind of insane that they made the whole premise like that he has well, we haven't gotten to the rules of the challenge yet, but basically he has to get up to level 256 with Pac-Man, which is a game he claims to hate and not be good at. And that's like the whole stakes of the movie is that he has to beat this level of the game. However, yeah. they almost never show the TV or the game playing at all. <laughs> Some Sometimes he'll just be holding the controller. And of course, the N64 controller, very weird. Mm-hmm. He's holding the middle part with his left hand, and then doing something with his right, as if to imply that he is, like, playing... He's multitasking. Yeah. Again, Pac-Man is hard. Mm -hmm. Pac-Man takes focus. Like, it takes strategizing. And I'm to believe this MFR is just like... (laughs) Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Playing Pac-Man, even if you like look away from the screen, you have like maybe like 10 seconds before you actually die. Uh, I'd say less than that. The brother the fe- who's in the fear shirt, he's so mean. <laughs> he is mean. <laughs> Until they introduced him as brother. Yeah. I was just like, why is this very sweet, sweaty man being attacked by this cruel Republican? <laughs> I felt like I instantly got the brother vibe from them. Yeah, he's very mean. And it's, well, you know, once we do get to the dad stuff, it's like maybe he's dealing with stuff and not well. I don't know. Sure, sure, sure. Um, But he is, yeah, he's very mean. So uh, Abby, the younger brother, fails the milk drinking challenge because he peed in the jug and was almost forced to drink his own pee and then pukes everywhere. And the puke is just... So good. The puke is so good. (laughs) So good and so disgusting. And it's everywhere and it's covering everything. That was incredible puke. That was the first time that I wrote, I feel unwell. Yeah. (laughs) I wrote it. I wrote it about six times in my notes. And that was the first time. So when Uh. the older brother goes to get a bucket uh, before the puke actually comes, he also steals a gamer mag where he sees this Billy Mitchell challenge in the gamer mag. And then they come up to make this the final ultimate challenge that Abby will not fail. You can't quit it. Yeah. No. And so this is actually real in 1999. Billy Mitchell, his company, Ricky's Hot Sauce, said that they would give $100,000 to whoever could beat level 256 of Pac-Man by January 1st. And uh, that prize was never claimed, by the way. And yeah, we all know who Billy Mitchell is, right? Yes? No? I don't know. I don't. Billy Mitchell is a very famous gamer guy. If you ever watch any um, arcade game documentaries, he's all over it. Um, In 1999, he became the first person to record a perfect score on Pac-Man. 
However, controversy recently in 2018, all his records in uh, Twin Galaxies, which is like the Guinness Book of video game records, and also Guinness Books, were invalidated because they thought he used emulation software to falsify his scores. Oh. So all his records were struck. However, in June of this year, 2020, he successfully appealed to Guinness to get his record reinstated in Guinness. However, Twin Galaxies would not reinstate his records, and he is currently suing them for defamation. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> sounds incredible. like he's probably a big freaking baby. He is a big freaking baby, and if you see him, you just know this guy's a big freaking baby. <laughs> I hate him. The stakes of this challenge now are get to this level that's basically impossible to get to and is a yep. glitch in the game win a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> the rules are he can't get off the couch he can't stretch he can't lay down he, so he can't stand up at all until he gets to that level of pac-man and so there's no breaks in between the milk challenge and the pac-man challenge so he's just covered in milk puke with whatever is in reach <laughs> And begins I, the Pac-Man challenge. <laughs> I have started doing this thing where, like, folks, I do yoga. I don't want to talk about mm-hmm. it, but I'm going to. It's DDP um, yoga. It's different. Yeah, it's, 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 it's cool boy wrestler yoga. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I've gotten to a point where, like, I've realized if I sit for, like, two, three hours, mm-hmm. bad. I it, My stand-up and my hips feel all closed up and... yeah. I feel tight, and I have to, like, kind of shake myself loose. And so this, again, just, like, struck me personally and very viscerally as, like, a, oh my god, this man is just, like, in the worst condition. Abby yeah. <laughs> is is in such bad shape. He didn't even get a pee break in between challenges or a shit no! break or a, anything. Stand up or stretch at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like his body is just kind of slowly closing in on itself mm-hmm. in this single position, uh, which is not like an ideal position for the human body. It just, it's so fucking uncomfortable. The vibe is gross. Yeah. So he beca- he is uh, set on getting a Chuck E. Cheese pizza, I, which is so funny. <laughs> such a good detail. I, I just... <laughs> he just says, do they, they deliver? won't deliver. They won't deliver to him. No, so it's not his birthday. Their pizza's like plain old, like cardboard flat pizza. Like it's not special. Yeah, it's so funny that he's so determined to get this pizza. Yeah. So he has to call his friend Dallas to bring over some pizza and drinks because he can't leave the couch. Dallas is, of course, Andre Island. And I actually, I had known that he was in this movie, but I forgot. So when he showed up, I was so excited. (laughs) His character is incredible. Just top tier character guy. Andre has this way of making these these like Midwestern guy characters that are so specific and so nuanced that he has multiple guys that are essentially this kind of guy that are so different they're so different they're not they're not the same at all but they're the same type of guy and that is just such a talent oh yeah (laughs) there is a direct like connection between his character in Death of Dick Long and his character in this. It's the same type of guy. Just they in live different... in the same world, but they're not the same guy. 
they might live on a, a couple blocks away from each other or something. <laughs> yeah. You know? He also has a character named Jesse Miller that he used to do a um, Jesse Miller talk show at UCB, who is also a similar type of guy. Um, and it's just <laughs> incredible to me that he makes all these guys and they are so like, we talked about this in our Death of Dick Long episode, but like, we know this guy, you know, we're yep. at least me and Kali are extremely Midwest people. I don't know if you would consider your Chicago's kind of its own thing. <laughs> it's not it's not exactly Midwest, but we're you know, me and Kali grew up in Indiana. Like we know this guy, dozens of these, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Middle of southern Indiana. Yeah, these. Yeah. My and Andre's from Cincinnati. You know, it's the same, basically the same as Indianapolis. So, yeah, I don't know. He's just so good at the nuance of these characters. Yeah. I, I cannot. He's so good. <laughs> Limp Biscuit fans in 98. Like no, Kid Rock fans. <laughs> oh, yes. Kid Rock fans in 98. He's got his hair twisted up. He's got the sunglasses on top of his head, which are the same sunglasses from his Jesse Miller character, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this role actually in this movie was written specifically for him. It's the only role in the movie that was written specifically for somebody, and it was written specifically for him. And he just kills it. He's so... He just, he's incredible. He just makes references. That's it. He honestly makes the movie for me. I am... Um, TBH, am I a freak? I don't know. But I watched... Uh, after watching this full movie all the way through, I watched the beginning... Uh, twice again because I just wanted to see him again. <laughs> He's, he is delightful. I get it. <laughs> it was so good. So he shows up with no pizza because he didn't. He doesn't like the guy who worked at Chuck E. Cheese because he spilled chili cheese on his pants and didn't apologize. <laughs> He's a man of principle. <laughs> you know yeah. that Andre probably uh, improvised. I would say everything that he says in this scene. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. He brings two two liters, but he won't give Abby the two liters because he doesn't have money. Um, so he's taunting him. And this line, I fucking cracked up. So he puts the two liters in front of his boobs. He makes them boobs or whatever. Boom. Boom. I. Fucking CJ, Pam Anderson, dog. Big ass titties. You know her titties got soda in them, too. <laughs> I, I heard that and I was like, I was it's like, such a, like, it cuts right after, like, you could miss it if you weren't paying attention. You know what I mean? It's kind of like under his breath. I sat there trying to think if he was mixing up seltzer and silicone for like, for a good two minutes. I was like, hey, did he mix those up? Or like, what's I don't know the if he even there? was thinking anything besides this is funny. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's a logical connection. But no, I no. fucking died laughing and I recorded it on my phone. I'm going to insert the audio. <laughs> I also have, I don't remember the, the, the preceding line, but I just have shouldn't say hate written down in my notes. Yeah. Why don't you have the pizza? Fucking Brad Matuzic was there, man. I hate that dude. Him and his little fucking butthole. He spilled chili cheese on my work pants. Didn't even apologize. You shouldn't say that. Say what, little butthole? Oh, hate. I remember that being such. I mean, I was I was in a Catholic community, uh, mm -hmm. a very like white upper class Catholic community, and so they were all about like. I knew tons of people who were just like, "Don't say hate." Yeah, like in these years, were telling me <laughs> that like hate was a bad thing to say. I just died. Hell yeah, yeah! This whole part was so, so good. T to B, loved it. Totally. 
And so Andre does two liter hands where he duct tapes the two liters to his hands, which was great too. And he just shaking him up, taunting his friend, <laughs> plays a VHS with the two liters taped to his hands. <laughs> the VHS thing was great too. It's just all drags just on cracking up. The whole thing was so funny. Yeah. And at one point, Abby gets mad that Andre slash Dallas will not give him a drink. So he puts on his glasses. And so he has oh. these 3D glasses. Uh, well, they're regular glasses, but one frame is red and one frame is blue. That seems to be his thing, that he gets upset and puts on these glasses. Uh, it's like going into a special place. And yeah. then the two liters explode. And it's, was he doing psychic powers? Was he not? We like kind of don't know. Were they just being shaken up too much and then they exploded? That's what I thought. They imply that it could be psychic powers. <laughs> So, yeah, so Andre is basically just like an agitator. His intention was to bring pizza and drinks, and he ends up doing neither and also doesn't bring the right VHS. Or, or well, he bring, <laughs> he promises a Pac-Man VHS, but what he has is a Pac-Man cartoon and not gameplay. So, yeah. like, basically everything he contributed was not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> he brought a four-hour-long tape of Pac-Man cartoons. And then he leaves. <laughs> So Cam, the older brother, has gone, and we don't know when he's going to return or where he's gone, but he's just gone. Um, However, the challenge still stands, and Abby is following the rules even though Cam is gone and nobody's watching him. This was apparently inspired by a classic 1962 film, The Exterminating Angel, which I was attempting to watch earlier today. It is about a group of affluent dinner guests who are unable to leave uh, a room of this mansion after a dinner party for inexplicable reasons. Nobody knows why they can't leave. I got about 40 minutes in before we had to record podcasts, so not completed it, but... Hell yeah. (laughs) It's based off of that. You know, it almost becomes, like, kind of annoying in this movie. Like, (laughs) you just, like, just stand up already, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So he is sweating a bunch, stuck on this couch, um, starting to get to the point where he's getting very thirsty, very hungry. He gets the styrofoam cup with the grabber arm uh, and drops it, and then he tries to psychic power it. Uh, This was the second use of his psychic powers. And big ol' roaches come out. These are not house roaches. No. These are hissing cockroaches from the fucking Brazil or something. (laughs) It's gross, folks. It's gross. And after that's when the exterminators come. Ah, I love them. They end up moving the couch with him on it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. I think every viewer has a tipping point. Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, what the fuck? When, what is going to get him out? Like, yeah. is anything going to get him out? Or, I mean, like, all I did was read, like, a summary. I saw that it took place in one room, but I still thought, like, well, he's going to have to get up because he'll, like, piss, right? He'll piss and shit. Nope. Because we've seen him pee already, so we know that he can pee. And humans always have to pee, right? And just, like, that was the tipping point for me where I was like, okay, this is a different fucking universe. (laughs) Yeah, because he's still ostensibly covered in old dried milk puke because he's never moved. No. So (laughs) he probably ends up being just covered in piss and shit too. If any movie would support a theory about like time not being real or something or malleable or I don't know. 
something about time space continuum bullshit. This movie definitely has it. Yeah. Because how they portray the passage of time is they do and don't. I thought that was kind of fun. It's kind of I neat loved how it. they do and don't. Yeah. It really frust- frustrated me at first, but then once it hits kind of a change, mm-hmm. then I really appreciated it. How he looks at the end of the film, you know, like the um, costume and the makeup. I, like Even though it comes off as like extremely comical, it's still really good. Yeah. A great part is when he like even moves off the couch a little bit. His skin is just stuck to the couch. Yeah, when Andre comes over, he's already stuck to the couch. And that's, like, day one, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Where, like, I like Passage of Time, that it, like, exists and that it also doesn't. I like that some movies don't have to be as accurate when it comes to... Yeah, they're not spelling it out for you. Yeah, exactly. This, yeah, this is definitely one of those movies that I'm just trusting it. I'm just gonna see where it takes me and... Ride um, the wave, bro. Relax. (laughs) Yeah, and you know me, I'm a real surfer guy. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely <laughs> surfed, and I was surfing on the wave of this gross-ass movie, baby. Yeah. I was feeling sweaty. After the milk puke scene, mm-hmm. I took a drink of my water, and it tasted like milk, and I hated it. <laughs> this movie caused me, like, visceral pain <laughs> and yeah. upsetness. You can smell it. You can feel it. And when they move the couch with him on it, you see the like how the carpet underneath the couch is like bright white. Oh my god. And everywhere else is like dark brown, uh, which was incredible. It makes sense how it took four months now. Yeah. And they didn't know like they're not carpenters. They're just like figuring shit out and how to make the room look like his old dorm room. He's like, We didn't even know how to put up a shelf. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> we had to figure it out. So much detail is put into this set. It's crazy. It really, you can tell, like Everything is like a Chekhov's gun, uh, in that, like, everything that is shown has a fucking purpose and comes into play in some regard. You know, the fucking gross-ass cup Mm -hmm. leads uh, leads to cockroaches, leads to X, Y, and Z. It, It really does feel meticulously put together and purposeful and i I like that especially with the juxtaposition of with the film nothing is happening uh there's no effort there's no like you you could say there's no definition to it whereas the room is so put together with a you know idea and over time the room starts to get more and more dilapidated at the same time that Abby himself is getting more and more deteriorated. Yeah. They completely mirror each They're other. They're kind of decomposing at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. So when the exterminators are there, they put off bug bombs. But he, he is still playing his game. Yeah. <laughs> he offers to pay them 10 grand if they'll just let him sit in the oh, yeah. bug bomb apartment. <laughs> Which is insane. And uh, at one point, he's eating his sandwich with his, with his mask, like just putting his mask up and taking a bite of his sandwich. So he's getting hey, all this freaking, bug bomb in him. And freaking topical, am I right? Freaking trying hey, to eat with the mask. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually uh, he just passes out, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> at this point, I was like, you failed the challenge, man. Like yeah. that, it's it's over. You can you can get up. Like he we... is so dedicated to this challenge, he will not <laughs> fail this challenge. This is what makes it so hard to explain to the two people I've talked to about this movie. Uh, is like what the motivation is. 
Mm-hmm. Why they're like, well? Why can't he get up off the couch? Uh, he has to complete the challenge. Yeah, that's it. He really <laughs> wants to complete that challenge. So this lady comes over, the R and B singer, <laughs> and that's the first time that we get a real sense of when exactly it is, um, because she tells him it's July twenty fifth, and when she tells him it's the twenty fifth. He thinks it could be Christmas. He has no idea. Um, <laughs> so she has to then specify July. So it's already like, how long has he been sitting there? Uh, we don't know. But no. now we have our first indicator of where we are in time. At that point is also when we kind of get the first real story about his dad yeah yeah so we've hinted or it's come up a few times that he has some kind of situation with his dad i don't think we ever get the full story but we know that his dad has gone away to prison we think in california he says locked up yeah but then he also says that his dad went to california and became a truck driver so i don't know they kind of insinuate that his dad might be a sex offender but we never really get the full story what he says is that um his dad was helping out a kid with his spare tire yeah they had to go into the restroom to talk about the tire warranty and it was a misunderstanding and he's not supposed to be in trouble he he's he's in denial about his father's well That could be that it is a sexual predator scenario, but Mm. it could also be an anti-sodomy case. His dad could just be gay and have been hooking up. Sure. Which is kind of what the man who comes to the apartment implies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gay ass shit. Yeah. In 1999, anti-sodomy laws were still in effect in 19 U.S. states, including Michigan. As of 2016, 12 states still have anti-sodomy laws on the books, still including Michigan, who has them even still today. (laughs) In 2020, it is technically illegal to even consensually participate in anal or oral sex in Michigan, even though the Supreme Court declared anti-sodomy laws unconstitutional in 2003, they can't be legally prosecuted. However, these laws do still exist. So gay people and gay sex was criminalized until 2003. You could be arrested for having even consensual sex anally or orally. So where they do, maybe it could be a real sexual predator scenario, but it could also have been that his dad was just gay and being normal and got arrested for it. And so sure. the situation is unclear, I would say. Yeah. That's an interesting just- take talking about like how that law was still in effect in Michigan. Like it'd be mm-hmm. interesting if that's what the narrative was trying to do because they just kind of gives it more of like a layer, if that makes any sense. Definitely. It does. And it's like kind of a hidden gem maybe i think that most people don't know about anti-sodomy laws or their effect on the gay community and that it was that recent to go that they were struck down by supreme court in 2003 2003 okay we're not talking the 50s here when most people think that gay people got rights yeah 2003 and as of 2016 and possibly probably 2020 at just 2016 was the most recent article that i read 12 states still have them in their active laws so it is still technically illegal to be gay in 12 states so (laughs) (laughs) uh right now 2020 yeah it is an interesting gem and i don't know Like I said, it's unclear if that's what they're going for or not, but it does seem kind of like that's what they were angling towards. And I think that that's really cool and interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Also, the lighting in this scene is really cool. It's like completely pitch black. changes. Yeah, it, yeah, completely changes. It's like pitch black, and then whoever's face we're on, we're just we just get like one square of light on their face. Yeah, just their face is illuminated. Very little of the setting is at this point. It really makes for this intimate. You know, you don't get really much of any context for any of the characters' relationships to one another. But I think the lighting helps create this trusting intimacy that I think this character brings, you know? Yeah. You feel like this woman really cares for Abby and wants him to get off the couch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> more, uh, more out of empathy and, and love rather than, like, those, yeah. the first two characters are just like, oh, you're a quitter, you don't do anything, and, like... They're so rude and mean. <laughs> yeah, they're just reinforcing his shitty behavior, but yeah. she is caring, she's kind. This is not good for you. Your your hip bones are going to close up, and that's not good. <laughs> and her boyfriend comes in the doorway, and he is rude and mean, too. Yeah. And Abby ends up putting on his glasses to psychic power some pain into the man. <laughs> What's interesting about that character, uh, yeah, yeah. he plays the same character in director's second film, uh, The Alchemist Cookbook. Oh, he- yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know what else? Yeah, oh, go ahead. sorry, I'm interrupting. No, 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 sorry. no, no go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I forgot to mention up top that this movie is the second in a trilogy of movies from this director, a trilogy of Y2K movies. And The Alchemist oh. Cookbook is the other one that's out now, and then the third one's forthcoming. But um, they have a simultaneous timeline between The Alchemist Cookbook and this movie. So yeah, it's part of a Y2K trilogy, the two of them. Go on. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he's really good in The Alchemist. It's, he has a really fucking freaky scene in that movie. I'm not going to say anything. I want to watch it. It's really good. So yeah, he gives some psychic pain to the man. Um, and then they leave. So next day, <laughs> he's eating his own sweat, which was another gross, nasty thing. Ugh, just like taking up globs from his chest. Yeah, it starts raining outside and he gets so excited because he's so thirsty but he can't open the window while sitting on the couch. <laughs> so he pops out those glasses Ugh. again and tries to psychic power the window open. But instead of the window being psychic powered open, a bird flies in through the window and dies. <laughs> R.I.P. little buddy. We hardly knew ye. Yeah. He tries to put the cup out the window, but he drops the cup. And that's when he starts busting up the wall. Oh, God. It's this long stretch of mm-hmm. just like, no dialogue, just... There are some long shots in this movie. Yeah. Just a guy who, at this point, I honestly was just like, yeah, he can't get up. Yeah. He, he lacks the ability to stand up. He is mm-hmm. glued to there, so he has to just make it work. If you take the metaphor literally, he can't stand up for himself. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think this is really where I started feeling bad for him. Just like, you kind of, you pity him. Yeah. Like, it's really pitiful that this grown man And that he's going to such lengths to not have to get up off the couch. Like, are you going to keep living in this house after this? Like, (laughs) busting all the pipes up. Also, the sewage (sighs) pipe busts so easily with just the camera tripod. (laughs) Yeah, I was really shocked about that. I was like, oh, yeah, this won't work at all. Like, that has a rubber tip. Yep, but there it goes. And he finally does get the water pipe to burst and get mm-hmm. some water. And um, I think it cuts after that. But for the rest of the movie, like, the burst water pipe, it never comes back into play. Like, it doesn't just keep being burst and flood the apartment. <laughs> 
No, it just has a limited amount of it, of water in it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. Same with the sewage. Like, it doesn't keep coming into play. Uh, just the one time he gets covered in shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just incredible. Uh-huh. Then we fast forward some more time, and now he has a beard. So now we know he's really getting into some time here. And yeah. there's snow. He's eating snow and roasting pieces of his boots to eat. I was thinking, like, leather is just tanned cow's skin, correct? It is. Yeah, it's animal skin. So leather is... Leather has, like, caloric content to it. Look, I'm no animal products expert because I've been vegetarian, I would say, most of my life. Um, But it seems to me that people eat most parts of animals, right? I think you can eat it. I just don't know what, how much, like, it's going to give you, you know? But if I don't think it's toxic. Yeah, they're perfectly edible. Yeah, so there you go. Is it bad (laughs) to eat leather? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool, like, how they... Um, set up his spot at that point like they have the tripod set up as like a hearth um, over a little baby campfire he's put on the coffee table again just so pitiful (laughs) yeah it is like at a certain point you change to having compassion for this boy and feeling sorry for him feeling sad for him and wanting him to be good and you kind of forget that he's not like that he could just stand up and be fine I know (laughs) You really do? Well, you just believe. You just yeah. believe he can't get up. Yeah. Little guy. Poor little fellow, bless his heart. Yeah. And he also has a fucked up cut on his knee. I don't know if that's supposed to be like a bed sore or what, but the cut gets worse and worse as the rest of the movie goes on, too. Oh, yeah. It's like gangrenous. And like the final scene, yeah, it looks really fucking gnarly. Yeah. So he finally does hit the, the glitch level of Pac-Man mm. and... It seems to be simultaneous with the countdown of Y2K. (laughs) Once he hits the glitch, there's colors, the red and the blue outside the window. Then there's firework sounds. I think they do have a 10 countdown. And once he puts his glasses on, then all the colors are inside. It's just so cool. But then the power goes out and there's screaming and there's cop cars and there's a comical amount of sirens all happening outside the apartment. Yeah. And this is the first time where he tries to stand up. Come on. And cannot. Yeah. So he can't stand up and Cam is gone and he has no one else. And there's a fucking... Y2K is happening outside. I love that they played Y2K this way, that they went with, like, what if it actually was the end? What if it fucking sucked? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really fun. I loved it. Yeah. When Cam finally comes back, (laughs) uh, he actually did this twice. So, first, when the lady came over and she was like, How long have you been here? And he's like, Oh, at least since this morning, I think. When actually he'd been on the couch for like, who knows, a year. (laughs) (laughs) And when Cam finally comes back, it's kind of the same thing. Like, what are you doing? Relaxing. You've been sitting here this whole time. I've been here since this morning. I think. Did I miss 4th of July? And Cam says, what are you doing? And he says, relaxing. <laughs> like he's just trying he's to play it cool. Maxing, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. 
So Cam tells him what's been going on outside, that everyone's in a bunker, and he's kept the bird in a box on the table. Oh. The bird that flew through the window. Yeah. Um, when Cam tries to touch it, he says, don't touch him, he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> he's fully lost his GD mind at this point. <laughs> That's my friend, he's sleeping. <laughs> Meanwhile, all of his guts are gone. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, I think that's the inciting incident that makes him so mad that he has to go after his brother, right? Yeah. That he w- keeps fucking with his bird. Best friend. So he puts on his glasses, he psychic powers the radio on, and he finally stands up, his skin peels off onto the couch, blood coming out of his legs, and um, psychic powers the brother's head to explode. Scanner style, baby. Most of the budget for this movie was spent on that one effect. (laughs) According to the director, quote, it's the most money I've ever spent on one thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) It rocked. Crazy. Looked awesome. Very fucking wild. Um, They made it have uh, foggy eyes before his brain exploded, and then Mm -hmm. it exploded, and it was so sick. Loved that Super effective, yeah. And there's banging on the door, and... Uh, The door opens, someone is there who's not revealed to the camera, and he finally turns the knife around that he'd been holding on for his father, and uh, says, you made it. So it's presumably his dad who made it there to get him. And um, there's no end credits, because all the credits were at the beginning. So where we would normally say roll creds, there's no creds. Um, It just says exit music over the Pac-Man glitch, uh, which was cool. I like that. Yeah, rocks. Um, end of the film. Yeah, so this movie was wild, crazy, interesting, captivating. I think that, um, and Nick, you kind of mentioned this earlier, the director, like, not giving a fuck about the audience, <laughs> or, like, or not giving a fuck about having a mainstream audience, <laughs> at least. Yeah, um, yeah. I have this quote from him <laughs> that he said, all I want is, like, 20 years from now, a bunch of weirdo 15-year-olds discover this somewhere in the dustbin of Netflix or iTunes. That's my audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's honestly, like, the best way of thinking of it, where, like, yeah. I'm sure people that he's been influenced by had the mm-hmm. same kind of outlook of, like, how they want their work to be digested in the future. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. And he's, like... So we mentioned that he is a professor at uh, Michigan State University. He teaches film production there. And he said, like, he has a good job. He makes decent money. He's not making movies to get money. He's making movies because he loves the craft. He has this artistic, like, itch inside of him that needs to come out. And Mm -hmm. um, this is something that, Colin, we discussed on our Mandy episode, too. Like, that Super 8 feeling where you're just making movies... Like how when you're a kid and you have a Super 8 in your backyard because for the love of the game, not thinking about ticket sales, not thinking about box office, like whatever kind of stuff, just because you have this artistic vision and you want to get it out there and who the audience is is almost irrelevant because you have just a story you want to tell. And I think that's really cool. And I think it rocks when people can express themselves creatively um, and freely that way. Um, Yeah. And I think it reaches the people it needs to reach, you know? Definitely. Yeah, well said. I It really does <laughs> feel like this just... It does... I, I didn't see that connection to Mandy, but it's definitely there of just like a singular vision 
mm-hmm. uh, uh, being perpetrated by this director that is uh, unique. Yeah. <laughs> fucking bizarre. It's weird shit. Just weird, weird fucking movie. And it's just the, the movie he wanted to make. And I love that for him. Respect. <laughs> Gotta respect the game. It makes me hopeful of like... Um... Like, the fact that this movie was able to get made, it makes me at least think as a filmmaker that, like, you could pretty much make anything if you just, like, want to do it. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. imagine what his next project's going to look like. I know. Totally. And I'm excited for them. And, like, this movie made me want to watch more movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I always want to watch movies, but, like, I want to watch all his movies. I want to watch all of Andre's movies. I want to watch more movies. Uh, you went to watch Terminator. I went to right? watch The Exterminating Angel. Oh, yeah, that. I had to pay to rent that, baby, and I paid the $3. <laughs> hey, I freaking watched, speaking of which, I, I watched this movie, Relaxer, on Crackle, because it yes, was free, same. and I was like, oh, I'll save a few bucks. Uh, I wish I hadn't. The ads were so I much. I loathe ads. These were, they were worse than normal ads because they would be like three minutes long. And also, I don't know if this was the same on yours, but like mine were so loud. Like every, yes. every time the ads came on, I literally had to mute the TV because it would be like a damn concert in my bedroom. They interrupted in random times too, not in cuts. I, my first ad break came mid milk puke. <laughs> It cut away and That's then incredible. cut back. Yeah, I, just... I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's only one one tiny little nugget that I didn't mention. You got something? Uh, it's I don't know. Is this interesting? Um, <laughs> who am I, Jay Leno? <laughs> oh, is this interesting? Uh, <laughs> the cup, the styrofoam cup in the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> from a restaurant in northern in North Grand Rapids. <laughs> <laughs> called the filling station Mexican Grill. I looked it up. It's closed now permanently. Sorry. R.I.P. <laughs> uh, that's it. I don't... <laughs> is, okay. that, is that fun? I... <laughs> I mean, I guess the question is, you know, did they close because of COVID or... This movie? Uh, or, yeah, because of this movie. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I didn't couldn't find the info on when it closed. That's it. The very Grand Rapids love story, because everybody's from GR... Uh, all the actors besides the Chicago guy and the Cincinnati guy and uh, takes place in GR. Does it? Yeah. It is. I mean, the city is irrelevant. I, I don't I don't care where it took place. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> At least being in the Midwest, though, in general, makes the characters and their situation seem more authentic. It's These it are does, Midwest yeah. people. These are Midwest people through and through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so yeah, we got to rate this out of five. It's hard to even rate this movie on a scale of other films because like, it's so its own thing. How do you go about rating this? <laughs> I just give it three. Three? Yeah. Well, I'll give it three and a half because I do respect, I think there's like an artistic element there that I really do respect. There absolutely is. But there is such like the viewing experience for this is so corrosive and caustic <laughs> and just like a it is rough to watch this yeah like i i i appreciated at times the slow pacing but i also mm-hmm. was like the scene where he was reaching for the cup with mm-hmm. his uh grabber 
I was just like, just move this along. Why? why I was on the edge of my seat. If you grab that thing too hard, it crunches in half. I did write that it was harrowing. Yeah. But with that being said, I still found like all the characters incredibly believable and authentic. Mm -hmm. Uh, The setting was so fucking good and authentic and and so familiar. I I think all viewers should be for anyone who watches this movie is a freaking weirdo. So like... (laughs) You listen to this podcast? You're a freaking weirdo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, three and a half for me. Nick, what do you think? Again, uh, I've only seen it once, and like, I definitely, after this conversation, I'm probably going to watch it again. And um, yeah, I'd say easily, like, out of all his other films, like, this is his strongest one. But like, it would have been interesting if like, it just went a little bit more in depth. But like, I understand, like, it's, you know, from the get-go, it's supposed to be a comedy. But um, yeah, I think like, out of five, like, a solid four for me is doable. Hell yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm really excited about this filmmaker. And like, I really hope that more people get a chance to check out his work. Yeah. Definitely. I think I'm also gonna go for, and I'll I'll say a whole star is just for Andre. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you freaking, you just wanted to record this up so you could. So I could gas up the boy. (laughs) You went bit, you like went bit by bit with each thing he said. You just loved it. Because it was so funny. (laughs) It is really, really funny. I enjoyed it so much. I watched it three times in one sitting. (laughs) It's very good. And then I went down a YouTube hole on Andre's stuff. <laughs> He's so funny. He's just, I'm like, how does he do it? <laughs> I want to know how he does it. <laughs> yeah, four stars from me. And um, oh, yeah. would we recommend this film? I would say yes. It's free. Who cares? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all around. Hell yeah. Now it's time for Scream Bobbit. So in this segment, we just talk about whatever else we've been watching, shows, movies, whatever. So, Kali, what have you been watching? Since last time, I've (laughs) seen... I'm just going to go through them real quick. Yes, God, yes. Good. Showgirls? Mm -hmm. Incredible. I love Showgirls. Hell yeah. (laughs) Holy shit. Thunderpants. You can hit on it. (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) Support the girls. Oh, that's great. That's, That's really good. Yeah, super good. The Santa Claus with Tim Allen? Oh my god. That's alright. Battleship Potemkin, the 1925 uh, Russian propaganda film? Outstanding. Loved it. And uh, Life Force, the 1985 vampire space movie? Uh, Real weird. Hell yeah, look at you. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Nick, what have you been watching? Well... I mentioned Seinfeld earlier before we started yeah. recording, so I've been watching yes. that. I've been doing an episode a day. Um, I should be watching more stuff, but like I saw um, Prisoners a couple days ago, and uh, that was really good. Mm-hmm. I'm also, right now, I'm currently going through um, my YouTube history, um, because I watch a lot of YouTube stuff, so I <laughs> keep on watching Josh Gad crying um, on Twitter. <laughs> um <laughs> That's really funny, because he's just talking about, like, it's a little sad, because he's talking about the coronavirus outbreak, and just saying, like, we're gonna get through this, but, like, you can't tell if it's performative or, like, genuine, because he's an actor, so it's like, you don't know what, 
what exactly he's doing. I keep watching the music video for Another Night by Real McCoy, which is that 90s um, club song. I'm sure you guys might, like, recognize the melody of it. Um, yeah, really good, really good stuff. And finally, McRib commercials. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Kayla, you said you're a vegetarian, so I yeah, don't recommend pescatarian. it. <laughs> what are you even watching? Um, all right, so me and Kali watched a movie together called Thunderpants. I highly recommend this movie. It oh, is, yeah. If you're watching stuff on YouTube, you can find it for free on YouTube, although it has like a weird Russian name <laughs> to the video. But it'll but come up if you look up Thunderpants, yeah. Yeah, it'll come up and it's the full video, the full movie. Um, it has, what's his head who plays Ron Weasley? Rupert is Grint. It? Rupert Grint. As it young, this is like a 2002 joint. So here's the synopsis. An 11-year-old boy's amazing ability to break wind leads him first to fame and then to death row before it helps him to fulfill, fulfill his ambition of becoming an astronaut. So... <laughs> kind of all over the place. <laughs> uh, it's incredible. We laughed big laughs for this movie. Yeah. So Thunderpants, recommend. I also watched... Hubie Halloween. All right. I'm a little late, but it's the new Adam Sandler joint on Netflix. You've probably heard of it. Has every comedian celeb in it. Surprisingly funny for like what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. Also can't decide if Adam Sandler is canceled for his character. (laughs) (laughs) Time will tell. However, I enjoyed it. Do watch Hubie Halloween. Um, What else did I watch? Okay, I've got two other things. Um, And I'm going to unfortunately have to pop off about both of them. So Go on. First, I'm thinking of ending things. All right. Pull up a chair, folks, and tell me, why the fuck is everyone talking about this movie? (laughs) It is a bad movie. Don't watch it. The first half is so slow you want to die. Then there's maybe like five minutes of entertainment. Then uh, the middle part is all confusing. You don't know what the fuck's going on. And then the end is so avant-garde, like extended dance scenes out of nowhere, um, a musical song. Nobody knows what the fuck's going on with this movie. Um, I thought nothing of it except, is this over yet the entire time? (laughs) I don't. Get it. There's nothing to get as far as I'm concerned. And it's a bad movie. Don't waste your time watching it. And it's long. All right. So I popped <laughs> off about that one. Second thing, I finished Stranger Things. All right. Okay. I talked about that I started it last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I finished it. So there are three seasons up right now. Season three, such a decline from seasons one and two. I seasons agree, one and yeah. two, so, so good. Season three, not so much. Um, there is so much bickering it's obnoxious i feel like they put so much filler in season three and uh not as much action there's like two minutes of action every episode the rest Mm -hmm. of the episodes is everybody arguing they do this a lot hey grab me that bowl right now what why would you need a bowl just do it and that happens, um, I would say, five times per episode, even though everyone is under an understanding that, like, crazy things are happening all the time. Well, stra- stranger things. Stranger things are happening. Okay, so that just seems to me like you needed to fill an extra 10 seconds of dialogue so you had them repeat what the first person said. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so it's filler. It's filler and it can be cut. And um, 
this happens all the time too is that like somebody is bleeding and dying on the floor and meanwhile two people are off to the side arguing about coca-cola or something extremely dumb this person's dying would you not be paying attention to the situation uh, i think season three was not good all the characters everything i liked about them from the previous seasons i don't like about them no more they've turned them all bad in my opinion they could have ended it's the end of season three could have been fine they didn't have to add those post creds to uh hint at season four they don't need a season four as far as i'm concerned that's my opinion yeah. All right, I've popped off successfully. <laughs> <laughs> I popped off a little too hard on that one. Gonna have to yeah, cut yeah. half of that. But I got opinions, all right? And I just... Yeah, you had to go off. All right, I had to go off this, but we're back now to being normal. Um... So it's time for plugs. <laughs> yeah. Nick, do you have plugs? Yeah, yeah I do. Um, www.bigzip.com. So that's D-A, then big, and then zip.com. It's official. And then I actually have my personal website, which is www.nickalonzo.com. Yeah, not really big on the social media stuff. It's just it's just hard to keep up. But yeah. um, you could contact me on email on the website if people want to contact through email and people still do that hell yeah people can also find shit cargo on youtube for free you can find everything i've done except the big zip for free on my website so hell yeah all right for us we are on instagram and everywhere else at screen vomit one word on all the things um subscribe on your podcast app if you haven't already and give us a rate and review while you're there Send us an email at screenvomitpod at gmail.com or tweet us with your thoughts on this movie or other movies, suggest a movie, send us questions, whatever. Check out Kali's other podcast, How to Fire Your Boss, also on all the things. And next week we will be watching Happiest Season. So you can find that on Hulu and Colin's bursting to pop off on that one. So uh, that should be cool. And nice gay movie in time for the gay holidays. Hell and yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, Nick, for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Thank you. Hell yeah. And um, we'll see everyone else next week. Okay, yeah. bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.